Currently looking at a little bit of Genesis 1, Genesis 2. We're going to continue our Marriage Matters series and uh, excited to welcome my wife back to the stage, part two, right? A couple weeks ago, we looked at what does it mean to uh, walk face to face and uh, just this big idea of marriage being a spiritual friendship, and that was great. And then last week, we talked about what redemption might look like inside of marriage and then this week we're going to talk about what does it look like to live out a calling together and that's not just for people that are in full-time vocational ministry that's not just for people that are even married um this big idea that god has a calling for everyone and so we're going to go back to the very beginning so we see that god's design is for us to flourish in the things that he calls us to do. So I think this is going to be applicable to everyone across the board. Um, but I want to say a couple words if you think you are, um, you are a single and you are moving towards marriage. As we're talking about this idea of calling, and we're going to talk about what does it look like to listen to and to respond to God. Almost every book that I've read um, encourages young men and young women not to pursue someone that doesn't have what they would call a gardening project, right? You don't want to just try to hook up and try to figure it out as you go, but the, the big idea is that people are sold out to Jesus and at least inclined to follow him, and then God moves you into the place that he has you. And so we're going to begin, we're going to read two specific sections in the book of Genesis. We're going to read uh, Genesis one twenty six through 28 and Genesis two eighteen to 24. And so if you have your Bibles open, would you stand with me as we give attention to God's Word? Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of heaven, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took out one of his ribs and closed, closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man made it into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father, so much we want to 
experience just that reality of being naked and unashamed. Um, that's not just a context for marriage, but that's before you to, to be known and loved and accepted. And we know that that only comes in and through Jesus. And so I pray that just the aroma of Christ would be present with us to just reveal your mercy towards us. I, I pray that continual redemption would be performed in all of our hearts um, as you uh, expose not just the broken places of our marriage that you want to heal, but also the, the wonderful gifts that you've deposited in each of us that you want to see grow and flourish for your kingdom's sake. So I pray that you would stir all of those up. To do that, we need your help. We know that that doesn't happen automatically, but we need you to really do um, just a, a real work inside of us. So we trust you to do more than we can ask or imagine or even think. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the big question that we're going to look at this morning is, what does it look like to pursue a calling inside of marriage? Uh, a few weeks back, we looked at what does it look like to have uh, just this friendship inside of marriage. And this week, we're going to look at what does it look like to see that friendship begin to bear fruit in everything that we touch. That God has um, more for us than to just exist as friends, but he actually has a calling for us towards the world. And as you look at Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2, there's two big ideas. First, that calling begins with God, that we're called to have this relationship with him. Before we talk about what does it mean to go out and to live out this calling to the world, it's first a calling to God. And the garden is just this beautiful picture of man and woman, and they're walking in perfect communion and unity with one another, but also they were naked and unashamed before one another and also before God. And that's a beautiful picture of what the gospel does as it comes to bear fruit inside of our lives because naturally sin is something that separates us but when the gospel comes in it begins to bring life and hope and so I, I hope that this morning that that we're able to understand that this is not just something that's for someone that's pursuing vocational ministry that every person inside this room has a calling everyone inside this room has gifts and talents that God has deposited in you and that's for a reason and that's to make something beautiful out of the world and and what I hope we discover as we're talking about this idea that calling begins with God is that it's a lot less mystical than you think I mean we're not waiting for tablets to come down out of heaven but it's very relational and it's made as we spend time and we have relationship with God and um, you've had some thoughts around that and seen some fruit in your own life why don't you share some of those with them so, um, good morning. How's everyone? Um, when I was, Chad and I spent some time yesterday and um, just thinking on beginning where God begins, I thought about the sound of music when um, Julie Andrews sings that little song and she's like, let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Uh, when you read, you begin with ABC. When you sing, you begin with Do, Re, Mi. And um, it's really, we can apply that in our relationship to God and in our relationship in marriage. We start at the beginning, and that's beginning with God, that we are called to God. Um, and the Lord has been really meeting me. I was not having a consistent time and needed something this year and was just watching an Insta story. Jamie Ivey just quickly mentioned chronological Bible reading. And so I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start this. 
and um, it has been so helpful. It's um, on audio, and so often I listen on my headphones, um, and just that consistency has been life-changing for me, um, and I think the encouragement that I would have is just the consistency of just, even if it's a few minutes of being with God, is so transformative to your life, and it changes everything. It changes everything you do, and um, small changes. It doesn't have to be this, like, I'm going to, I mean, reading the whole Bible in a year seems big, but when you really break it down, it can be just a few minutes, so I don't, you don't have to do that particular thing, but yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, over different seasons of our lives, one of the things that we've noticed is it doesn't matter, like, I mean, how strong our relationship is with one another. Like, if, if we're not in communion with God himself, I mean, um, you know, the, the, you, you can see the effects over time. And so what we're saying is before we talk about living out a calling to the world, I mean, first, this is a call to God himself. And, and this uh, picture's kind of been on my mind and my heart, and I almost shared it during worship, is... Um, Matthew 11 talks about his yoke being easy and his burden being light. And so for us to be yoked to God means that we have to unyoke ourselves from the calling of the world. The, the default setting for us inside of our marriage is just to adopt the story and the values of this world. And so to be in relationship with him means that we're going to be yoked to him and in the good news of Jesus being crucified and raised again for us is going to be the message that defines our life and our relationship with one another. And then it's going to make its way out into the world. As we're listening to God and as we're responding to God, um, the natural overflow is to follow him into the things that he's most passionate about, which is the lives of individual people. And that's going to look different for every couple in the room. But just this idea that, that everyone has a garden that they are called to cultivate, right? I mean, there's not just the... God put Adam and Eve in this place called Eden, which literally means delight. There was nothing in the world, but he still wanted them to make something of the world. And we believe that for every couple. It, the, um, a, a famous uh, marriage author um, interviewed just tons and tons of couples, and he asked every one of them, he said, do you believe that God is the author of your marriage? And to a person, every single one of them said, absolutely, he is the author of our marriage. But then he asked them a follow-up question, why did God call you together? And no one, not one person could answer that question. And so the reason that we're doing this this morning is so that, that you can answer the why. Why would God call man and woman together. It's not just for companionship, although that's part of it, but he wants us to display something to the world and to make something out of just this idea of life-giving relationships that we have with one another and to bring other people into that orbit. So we're called to the world. Um, just want to bring us back to this quote. This is kind of the, the big idea where this came from. This is from John, John Mark Comer in his book, Loveology. And he says this, I think it's so important because our instinct, if things are not going well inside of marriage, is to work on the face-to-face. Like, we probably need to talk about communication, and we probably, you know, need to talk about, you know, how we're going to do certain things, or romance and intimacy, and all of those things are vital. 
But oftentimes what's going on inside of marriage is kind of invisible, and it's that we're not living for the right things. And so John Mark Comer says this, and I can't say it better. He says, all healthy marriages are built around a calling. Marriage is a means to an end. It exists for friendship, yes, but also to partner with God for the remaking of shalom. And that just means God's peace so that through the gospel, this holistic human flourishing happens um, as a result of coming into contact with our marriages. Couples who exist simply for one another are doomed to failure. If the point of your marriage is your marriage, it will eventually collapse in on itself. If the end goal of your relationship is your relationship, it will self-destruct. And that's because we're made for something so much more than just friendship. And friendship is awesome, and that is a huge gift inside of marriage. But we're made to join with God in what He's already doing in the world. And um, Genesis 2, it kind of defines roles. And so you've got Adam being created, and then his sides being opened up, and out of his side and out of a rib, he God makes Eve, and she's called a, a helper that is fit for him. And it, this is God introducing this idea of husband and wives being a team in what God is doing. And in our culture, sometimes we think of the word helper as being less than or subservient in some way. But this is actually the same word in Psalm 118 that's described as, that's how God is described. God is described as our helper. So God is our strength. And so when we work together as a team and we're kind of working in the niche that God has for us, um, she is my helper. But that's not a that's not a statement about her value or her worth or her dignity, but this is um, what it looks like for us to literally image God as we try to live out a calling in the world. And you were uh, reading a book recently that was kind of talking about that, so why don't you share that with them? So I read this novel um, called Perennials, and so it has a lot of garden references, and I'm pretty sure that the author's a believer. So there was just this... Um, time when this older couple was just reminiscing she's sick with cancer reminiscing on their marriage um and the dad goes by chief so chief is the dad remember our vows chief asks the preacher talked about the story of adam and eve how we are told that god pulled the rib from adam's side because it shows that woman and man were made to be equal partners he said eve wasn't formed from adam's feet to be below him or from his head to be above him but from his rib to walk beside him. Mother said this while smiling. I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my friends, Brian and Rachel Barr, um, they've just been a gift to us, and we'll mention them later on when we talk about just the, the role of mentors inside of marriage. But they did this in front of a, a conference of probably about 600 people, and um, just this idea that marriage has um, two postures. And so we've already mentioned the first one is face-to-face, and this is just our relationship with one another. It's romance, it's intimacy, it's communication, it's spiritual friendship. And most of us, right, I mean, this is like literally what you do inside of a wedding ceremony. You turn and you are face-to-face, but then when you go to walk down the aisle, you are side by side, right? And that's really a literal picture of you going out into the world to do the things that God has called you to do. 
So we, the, the picture is that we are side by side doing something that God's called us to do in the world, and we're following him. And so there's a lot of substitutes for that. And um, when we're in a healthy spot, this is what marriage looks like. But I'm going to be honest, this is a newer concept for us. And so there's been times in marriage when I've been like this and trying to pull Jen up like this, you know, and side by side was more like me trying to pull her along. And I'm going to be honest, there's times where she is trying to lead me and pull me along in a different direction. And you can see, like, if we're not synced up on what our calling and our purpose actually is, like, it's not going to go that, it's not going to go well. So we want to be just like we were when we were standing before God, face to face, walking out the doors, side by side, as we're listening to and responding to the King. So, um... Yeah, I, that's just a helpful picture um, for us. So a scripture that illustrates that is Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Why don't you read that? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Yeah, so marriage is this partnership to bless the world. Okay, so God has called us together, not just for our own individual satisfaction and fulfillment, but to actually fulfill this creation mandate to be fruitful and multiply. So in Genesis chapter 1, that, you know, to image God means that you're going to fill the world with more image bearers, and that naturally happens inside of families um, as you pass on the gospel to the next generation. But as you see the story of God unfold, this idea of um, filling the world with image bearers is the commission, uh, the great commission in Matthew chapter 8 to go into all the world and make disciples. And so each marriage should have some of that at the center of its calling is that we're going to own kind of a pocket of brokenness. There's, there's something. It may be your vocation. It may be inside your family or where your children go to school. It's going to be something that God has uniquely brought you together to accomplish. And so um, I know this is a newer concept, but every couple should have some kind of conversation. Hey, we need to talk about why has God actually brought us together? What has he called us to do? And so um, marriage is a team and the Bible is full of teams. Jesus worked in a team. Marriage is this partnership. But oftentimes, even in, in church world, what you can see happen is like, you know, you, you get women going down this track and they're involved in women's ministry and women's Bible studies and developing their gifts. And guys might be going on a similar track where they're involved with men and men's ministry. And, you know, ne- never do those things actually come together. And there's nothing wrong with gender specific ministry, but the goal of all of this is that we would minister together that our lives would be full of just fulfilling the, the purpose and the call that God has for us together, that we would push back darkness together, right? That we would be involved in community together, that we would make much of Jesus together. And um, I just wanted to 
honor Aaron and Aaron. Where, I don't see Aaron. He's in the back. Yeah. They do this so well because both of them are supremely gifted individuals in their own right. I mean, they could both do significant things. Both probably have Aaron, A. Aaron Ministries International and E. Aaron Ministries International. And they both have specific gifts, but the, the cumulative effect is that they do those things together and that they support one another inside of a team. And I just think they're a good example of what it means to also have like real gifts, but also be able to bring those things together to bless the world. So, so appreciate you guys. Can we honor them? Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Um, so just a, a concrete conviction that I think the scriptures portray is that that every marriage has a good deposit. You know, that good deposit is the gospel. But he also has good works and gifts and skills and talents, and we talk a lot about that, that he wants to use um, to bless the world. And I want to say this very carefully, and, and I think many people in this room come from broken homes. Like, I'm, I'm from that, right? Um, and I think part of God kind of lifting our eyes and helping us get to this point inside of marriages is because he wants to redeem specific stories, right? So if you've never seen a good example of this, like I think it can have a generational effect. Um, but the, the bar for marriage inside of Arkansas and inside of Jonesboro is like down here, like even inside the church. Like it's basically like, hey, don't get divorced, you know, I mean, that's a good goal, right? But that falls far short of what God's talking about in the garden, right? Raise godly children. Yes, all of those things are amazing and worthwhile. But what God wants to do is to lift our eyes to the purpose that he has, which is to be fruitful and to multiply image bearers through our family, through the mission of the church, and to bless the world so that people come to know Jesus. And we want to build a culture where, um, where the church isn't just segregated by age or status in life, but where, you know, married people are learning from single people. And there is a ton of things that I personally benefit from. Like we had a meeting this week and Michael Johnson was in helping to shape what does it look like for us as a church to be more evangelistic. And I'm super grateful for that because the Campus Outreach Ministries excels in putting the mission of God at the center of their lives. And I think they have something to teach married couples. And, and honestly, as I'm interacting with them, one of the things that scares single people about getting married is they don't want to sideline their passion for Jesus and then just kind of fade into the oblivion inside of church life. They want to go for it. And so they need examples of people that are living for the better story of the gospel. So I, I think an initial conversation, like if you're wanting to go deeper, why has God called us together? You need to ask a question like this. Who is God calling us to spend time with in this season, right? So probably every week, we're probably more scheduled than most just because we have to be, but we have probably a, a two-month running calendar. So if you want to be very practical about this, and we have a meeting where we're just sort of like, hey, 
who is God calling us to invest in in this season of life? And we'll, we'll list off a, a list of, you know, five or six people, individuals, couples. And then to be real practical, you actually have to put those things on your calendar, right? For those things to be central, those are the things that we're saying yes to and we're building our lives around. And so it takes a, a high degree of intentionality because we're not going to just um, drift into that. And so... <clears throat> part of living life with a calling means you live life on purpose, right? All of us know the difference between letting life happen to you and living life with purpose and intention. And what the Scripture is calling us to is this deep and vital relationship with Jesus, but then that has some concrete applications in how we order our lives, what we say yes to and what we say no to. And so... Just there's this rich garden imagery like in Genesis 1 and 2, and you've been picking up on it. Um, why don't you just share a few thoughts on what does it mean to have a healthy garden and how we try to live that out together? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, yeah. All right. Um, so I really did appreciate this book I read this week. It was God Never... Um, is accidental in what he does, and so it's neat how I just would be reading this book, and it would be about a garden, and he knows what we're talking about this week. Um, So just thinking about a garden, um, you know, if you're going to go work your garden, what are some of the things you have to do? You guys can say, like, some things you have to do. Water the garden, kill the weeds, Mm -hmm. water, sowing, sowing seeds. seeds. Yeah. Um, cultivating the soil. So, and our marriages um, are a beautiful picture of a garden. So, we were gonna, I was gonna share a little bit about Chad and I's story. Um, and this was just encouraging to me, remembering that God has always had Chad and I on the path of his calling, and he's always had you on the path of his calling. And so, and if you're single and then you become married, he has already had a calling for you and your spouse that are going to come together because he is amazing like that. Um, A little bit of our story. So when Chad got saved, which was prior to us being together, he really felt the call of God on his life to be in full-time ministry. Um, So we started that way. We um, started leading a small group a little over a year into our marriage at the ripe age of 22 and 25. Yeah, we had a lot to offer people. Yeah, we did. I really thought I did. Um, and we had bought this money pit house, y'all. I mean, we have had water issues. If we told you, that could be a whole message on the water issues we've had in our lives with houses we've owned. So we had water coming in. He's supposed to lead us for a small group coming in from work. So we end up going over to our youth pastor's house so he can take a shower at the like day of, meet at somebody's house. Another group leader shows up, which isn't intimidating at all for him. Like, he's never led a meeting. Anyway. Yeah, my so first small funny. group, I'm not kidding, there were, like, over 50 people. Like, and if you knew me in that season, like, I mean, I, I had never strung more than three sentences together in a row. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was amazing. So, yeah. there's our beginning. Yeah, there so we are. Like a seed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then just but through our lives, there's, there was this sense of call. And um, I've heard, I don't know who the quote is from, but there's a quote that says, when we can't see the hand of God, we trust his heart. And I think for just encouragement for each of us that we can't always see what God is doing, but he is at work. And just to encourage you, wherever you are in your marriage, single, 
pathway that he is going to be faithful to you. So for us, it did. It looked like we had kids really young, a lot of kids. We had this small group. We moved a lot. Um, But we did always try to make hospitality a priority and having people in our home. um, Even we didn't have a lot of money. Um, I was a new cook. I was really young. It wasn't always great. Like I thought, just thought about we had these sweet mentors in our lives, and I made this chicken taco soup, and I think I was supposed to use green chilies, and I used jalapenos. So y'all can imagine. They have little kids. Y'all can imagine how Different. spicy this was. Yeah. Uh, they were very gracious. Um, but I just remember another just encouraging story about that was um, we were sitting at Red Lobster having dinner, and Landon was just a couple days old, and we were... I think we went out for my birthday because Landon was born four days before my birthday. Mm-hmm. And Hannah was at home with the sitter. And I just remember just Chad having this angsty conversation. Like, Chad's a deep feeler and just this angsty conversation about, when am I going to be in ministry? And, like, I mean, this was like a regular, you know, I don't know. When am I going to be able to do this? And so, like, just to encourage you, that's where we couldn't see. Like, we couldn't always see what was going to happen. But God was still at work. Um, so I just bring you into some of that. Just um, And then I remember moving to Memphis, like, and I'm kind of giving you guys, this is like 19 years, so you're getting like just little pieces. Um, we went to Orlando for a conference, and I remember standing in front of this senior pastor of this church and just thinking, like, we had left full-time ministry to pursue God, and like, is this ever going to happen? Like, are we ever going to do this, you know, and just feeling that. So those are some very real moments where we couldn't necessarily see the hand of God, but we um, were seeking to trust his heart and that he, and that he was still being faithful in that time, that we were still in the right in the middle of his calling for our lives during that time. So I hope that's encouraging. Yeah. 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 And so I'm going to share a couple of quotes that I think are helpful. Um, but what I want to say to everybody when we're talking about the calling, it always kind of seems into the mystical and the esoteric. But the, the reality is God is not hiding. Okay? Like he wants to get you where he wants to get you more than you want to get there. Right? We're usually the ones that are listening to different voices and different stories. And so I think even this morning can just be a, a God calling you back to himself. So why don't you read that from uh, Henry Blackaby? So Henry Blackaby says, we see where God is at work and we join him. We don't choose what we will do for God. He invites us to join him where he wants to involve us. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's not about we're creating this whole new path. Like we follow God. We are in relationship with God and he actually takes us where he wants us to be. And then David Platt says this. He says, Jesus doesn't set out to show us our path to follow. He says, I am the path, right? So that just crystal clear, like follow Jesus. He's going to get you. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Like we follow him and he leads us to the place that he has us. And so um, here's a couple questions just to kind of help understand where calling uh, and, and just defining what your garden might look like. So what kinds of activities make you feel most alive? So that's a question spouses or those that are dating can ask one another. Where have you seen your spouse most alive? How do you experience those things together? If resources were not an issue, what kind of dreams and passions would you pursue individually and together? Like Those are where those things begin to come to the surface. Those are just dream conversations. And then, like, this is, the, this is like the concrete next step is who can encourage us or strengthen us on our journey? 
and who has God called us to invest our lives in this good deposit that he's given us. And so um, let's talk a little bit just about um, the place of mentors. Like, what's that meant for us? And because I think um, every season of life, we've had both these life-giving peer relationships where we're kind of living with people that are in our same season, going through the same things, but there's been tremendous value in us becoming who God's created us to be by just being in relationship with people that are a step ahead. So why don't you tell them a little bit about that? Um, we have been really blessed to have a lot of people in our lives through the years. I was just thinking, even as Chad was sharing, like, coming here when we moved here, Chuck and Lindy Geschwind, if you know them, like, they kill it at hospitality. And yeah. so just being in their home and learning from them about how to do that well and how to be a blessing. Lindy does it super well. Um, through the years when we first got married, it was Tom and Melinda Chupp, and we joined this small group, and everyone was like a decade ahead, and here we are. They called it like the, they had this chair, and we would snuggle up on this little chair together, and they all thought it was great because we were like the newlyweds, and we could encourage them, but then they could encourage us. They all had a bunch of kids. And They're all our age, yeah. my age now. Yeah. And um, I don't know if I should say this, but yeah, I mean, they made a bunch of jokes for a newly married couple that we couldn't relate to. That's all I'll say, like in the terms of marital bliss. And so we were just, yeah, we were outside of our comfort zone, but it was amazing. We learned from them just the art of hospitality and yeah. Yeah. So Melinda had Melinda's chicken, which I have made for several of you. Um, I had made it for years, but there's this great marinade. She has a couple that are in a church cookbook because, of course, if you didn't know, they used to make church cookbooks. In the 1990s, um, yeah. I have several if you ever want to look at them. Um, but she would make, like, the same meal. Jabari, you can buy it if you want. You got it. Um, but she would, like, make this hash brown casserole. This They would grill this marinated chicken and make bread and, like, most of the time, that's what they would serve. And so, um, but it was delicious, and it was predictable. And just learning from her, like, hey, have one meal. Like, be good at one thing. We'd go, and they'd invite us over. We lived close by, and they'd put their kids to bed for the night, and we played games with them. Yeah. And we still have a game that we bought, Gang of Four, yeah. that we learned from them. So they were just a sweet gift to us. And, our, and their daughter came and would serve us also with babysitting. And so they just did a great job just investing in us and um, teaching us what hospitality looks like as a couple. Yeah, and so on this this idea of mentors, like there are several people in the room that are qualified to mentor other people, but they're not going to just wave their hands and say, hey, I want to be your mentor. So this is kind of applying what we talked about last week, that God gives grace to the humble. And so don't go up to someone and say, hey, I want you to be my mentor. Say, hey, can we get together for dinner on this particular night, because um, this is this is normally what it sounds like. They're like, hey, I would like to get together sometime, and it's this really open-ended thing. And what what it takes to really make that happen for people in different seasons of life is like, hey, can we get together next Thursday, or can we get together next Tuesday, or can we put a date on the calendar for the next two months, you know, so that we know that those things that are most important are going to happen, and then. Like, have some questions that you actually want to ask um, in advance. Like, don't just show up and expect them to pour into you. Like, bring your questions to the table. And that's been so helpful. We had uh, mentors in Georgia, I think, that, I mean, just one of the absolute best fathers that I've ever known. And we would just ask tons and tons of questions because we were in the young children's season. And that kind of was 
just where we were. And then, you know, right now it's um, Brian and Rachel. I mean, they are our peers, but I mean, they come in and they're um, able just to pour into us, say, what, how's it going leading a church? And like, where are you leading in faith? And where are you, you know, where are you operating out of fear? And then, you know, bringing those things out, how are those things affecting, you know, our marriage? And there's people that do that. And to, to really flourish and become the people that God has called you to be, you've got to have somebody to help you. We all need guides on the journey. We need relationship with God. But then there's, it's a, just a non-negotiable inside of community. I, I do not think you can have a healthy marriage long-term apart from being involved in life-giving community. And what I mean by life-giving community is someone that knows you, loves you and is able to speak the gospel into the deepest parts of your life like that's what the church of jesus christ is all about is us giving away this good news and this good deposit that we have and god wants to meet you in the midst of that but the 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 temptation in american culture is to preserve our lives and to be individuals and go after our own stories but god has called us together to be a church and to be a family so we can live life together. So community is a non-negotiable. And so the whole thing that we've been talking about is our homes are meant to be a place of ministry, right? So um, you may not think that's a particular gift that you have, but whether you're married or you're single, I mean, um, we have been wonderfully blessed, single folks inviting us into their home over the years. It's just that, that God has called us to be a group of people that invest, right? And everybody wants to be invested in but it's, it, it takes some real stepping out of the boat kind of faith to say, hey, I want to invite you into my life. Like, not only do I want to get together for coffee with you at Starbucks, but I want to invite you into my world. And that's just a different level of relationship. And that's what you see in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2. They met in home to home and they broke bread together, right? And they shared the faith of Jesus together. And so... Um, that's what our heart is, is to just see our church flourish with marriages that are um, investing outside just the realms of their own life where we are um, friends with one another and just living and running after the things that God has called us to do. So why don't you share, I mean, you had a, a couple of scriptures you wanted to share just as sure. we conclude our time. And I just... The Lord just reminded me of this sweet woman that was in our lives. She prayed with my mom for a while, and pretty sure she's still single. She's much older now. Um, but when we were at Pastors College, so I grew up in church with her for a while. She moved to another church. We ended up living in the same town with her, and she just poured her life out for us. I mean, she would have us over. She watched our kids. She took me out. like, And just that example, like, um, I'm not trying to scare anybody about being single forever. Yeah. I'm just giving a vision. Like, this is not just relegated to, um, it was beautiful. Just beautiful to see her investment in our lives. So I share that as just a specific encouragement. Don't wait. Um, and then going to read the scripture from Matthew 13, 31 and 32. And I just think this is um, God's encouragement of what he wants to do and loves to do with us. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, 
but when it is grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And I just think the Lord wants to encourage us that um, this little seed, it's the smallest seed, and we all have that seed to sow, that this smallest seed became the biggest tree, and it became this place of um, refuge for these birds to come, and we all get to be that tree for people. And then God gets to use us to encourage others to sow their seed and become this place of refuge. So, Yeah, that's awesome. So I want to pray, and then we're going to transition into uh, a time of communion where we really do just go before the Lord and just celebrate who he is and what he's done. And I trust that he's going to uh, speak to us in the midst of this. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that... um, He is the author and perfecter of our faith. I thank you whether we are taking step number one today or if we've been at this for a long time, um, that we are literally following you um, into the calling that you have for us. I pray that you would help us to respond to who you are and what you've done. I pray that you would help couples take concrete steps um, this week into the calling that you have for them. I pray that you would not help us help us to not just live individualistic lives or child-centered lives, but I pray that you would help us to live lives where the calling of husband and wife together to see the world fruitful and multiply would bear a ton of fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to come to the table now, and this is just a, a chance, um, if you're single, to come to the table and ask God to just affirm his calling to to you, to himself.